Hello, it's Tuesday the 3rd of December and I'm Duncan Lamont, Head of Research and Analytics. Thank you for joining us on today's podcast. Today's guest is Global Equity Portfolio Manager Frank Thorman. Welcome. I have to say, sitting here in London, it definitely feels like winter set in. Um, but the temperature in markets has been anything but chilly. US equities have been searingly hot. Year-to-date performed just shy of 28%. European equities not far behind. UK emerging markets look poor performers in relative terms, but still on double-digit returns. The value growth dynamic's been an important one, but value's recovery looks have been short-lived and it's back to underperforming growth. Something I'll pick on pick up on with Frank shortly. And as you'd expect in this environment, credit spreads have been on a tightening trend. Dollar and euro investment grade spreads are pretty close to year-to-date tights, as are euro high yield spreads. Dollar high yield spreads are a bit higher, largely due to weakness in the energy sector, but they've been coming down too. So as equities are going to be the focus of today's call, I'd like to start um, by asking Frank to offer a view on the economic seems downbeat forecast for US corporate fun- fundamentals. So I'm just going to quote what was in the latest um, update from the economics team. So they've said, the supportive tailwind from lower interest rates is likely to fade and earnings will have a crucial role in determining equity returns with stock prices to be d- driven by the real state of the economy and its corporate sector. They comment that last year, the Trump administration's tax cut provided a substantial boost to post-tax profits and was enough to buoy the US stock market to record highs, but that masked the deterioration of pre-tax profitability in the corporate sector. And as that fiscal stimulus has started to fade, they are forecasting profits to stagnate throughout the rest of the year, uh, throughout next year, as rising labour costs and weaker capacity utilisation put margins under pressure. So I know you're a bottom-up stock picker, Frank, except this is a pretty pessimistic picture for what's going on in fundamentals. What's your view at um, perhaps at the aggregate level, first of all, and then we can get down into some of the stocks or sectors that that you're interested in? Yeah, thank you for having me today, Duncan. Um, I think the this assessment is, is, is quite realistic. So frankly, um, this year we've been surprised by the exuberance of global stock markets. And you've alluded to the fact that the U.S. market has again uh, led global equities um, up uh, mid-20s percentage points. And um, frankly, we are um, we're quite concerned that the economic expansion cycle at over 10 years in age is uh, is maturing. Um, and that's evidenced by a lack of growth in corporate profitability. Um, profit margins, as you know, are at record highs, but this year is the first year in this expansion where they've uh, where they failed um, to show further gains. So margins are incrementally being squeezed. And in fact, in the third quarter that was just reported, um, uh, corporate profitability actually went backwards slightly on a year-over-year basis. Uh, global t- trade tensions remain unresolved, and some of the um, lead economic indicators are actually pointing downwards. So all of that um, makes me makes me somewhat concerned looking into next year. Stock markets obviously have taken the opposite view um, and seem to suggest that some monetary easing uh, and perhaps uh, an upcoming U.S. election will be able to breathe um, renewed life into this economic expansion. So um, the the market consensus seems to be more um, optimistic than that. Yeah. So I guess 
we were talking beforehand, and I guess at the start of every year, analysts have pretty rosy expectations for that outlook. Kind of eight, ten, twelve percent is not uncommon. And what we've seen this year is actually consistently throughout the year, those expectations have been coming down. Um, and as you said, we actually got have falling earnings um, over the year. Now, does the it, it, are we in a world now where actually the market just doesn't care? Um, so everything disappoints, except that doesn't seem to matter for equities. Does that, as a, when you're looking at fundamentals, does that then impact the way that you actually as, assess things? Yeah, so as a fundamental investor, yeah. I, I am of the view that um, fundamentals can decouple from stock prices in the, in the short term. But medium and longer term, uh, stock prices follow earnings. Um, that's that's my strong conviction. So um, this divergence, I think, um, cannot go on uh, forever. So you actually you are exactly right. At the beginning of this year, expectations were for corporate earnings growth to be about ten percent, um, and it looks like today um, that's going to be closer to zero. Mm. As, as as I said, the third quarter was actually slightly down year over year. And the same picture is shaping up uh, for 2020. Uh, consensus EPS expectations are close to 10%. Uh, and um, my view is that if we if we wind up doing anything positive, that would be a good accomplishment. Okay, and, so that's pretty consistent. The economics team as well. Yes. They're, they're forecasting um, declines in a number of different scenarios next year as well. That's, that's, that's a huge gap compared with 10%. Um, expected by the, by the markets, um, how can you how can they get to a figure like ten? Because if the economic growth outlook is, I'm not sure many people have very bullish growth expectations. Does that come down to expectations that margins are going to going to move even higher? Is that how people are getting to that ten percent? Uh, yes, yes, of course. I don't think anybody expects ten percent revenue growth. So revenue growth is going to be closer to uh, low to mid single digits so you do need um, a bit of margin expansion and maybe some uh, share repurchases to get to that number but uh, I, I do think that is um, quite substantially over optimistic and if we look at the different components of margins so we're thinking I guess some of the main parts might be what's gonna happen in interest costs tax wages which of those are most likely to um, play a big part next year well, we meet with lots of companies um, every day, every week, and by far the most um, common margin pressure that companies discuss is uh, is wage costs. As you know, most economies have a very strong uh, full employment labor market, mm-hmm. um, which is which is very good for consumer spending backdrop. Um, however, it's it's a problem for um, for wage compensation. So um, across the board, but particularly for lower uh, for lower skill jobs, there is a, a fairly substantial shortage, which means companies have to pay more and more each year to attract and retain um, good people, and that is uh, that is uh, putting pressure on um, on operating expenses and and profit margins. Uh, and how does that look? If, if I think we were talking before, you said the variation in different sectors in terms of those that are most likely to be affected and other ones that are perhaps less um, less in the firing line? Yes, yeah, so companies that um, in general are more labour-intensive um, are seeing more pressures and the particular companies that perhaps are employing more lower-skilled um, uh, workers. So so restaurants, for example, is a prime example of a sector that is seeing um, substantial pressures. 
uh, and companies that are um, uh, largely automated, you get a picture of a almost fully automated factory, or companies with, uh, with really high um, added value and think about software companies are going to be able to uh, overcome these pressures much more easily. Okay, and in a world where margins are under pressure, economic growth is not great. You're looking at kind of anything above zero for earnings growth sounds like it's positive. Um, what type of environment does that make? Does that mean for you as a stock picker that it's harder to find opportunities or given the gap between expectations in the market and what we're thinking actually, does that lead to, to more opportunities? Well, first of all, it suggests to us um, from a top-down perspective that our um, equity market return expectations for next year are um, going to be much more muted. Okay. Uh, and then secondly, for us as stock pickers, um, as you know, we subscribe to a philosophy of looking for unanticipated growth surprises. Mm -hmm. So we think companies that can deliver positive earnings growth and positive earnings growth surprises are going to be in an in increased uh, scarcity um, going into next year. And hopefully uh, that is going to be in increasingly recognized and rewarded by the market. Okay, I guess I suppose the, the overall trend is going to be increasing chance that companies disappoint if earnings expectations are so high. So those that actually manage to um, positively surprise could actually be outliers and actually get rewarded even more. Exactly, okay. exactly. Um, if we move on to just thinking about um, the technology sector perhaps now, because I, it's one of the areas where we have quite a big focus. Um, and accepting the fact there's a lot of differentiation within the sector, are there any interesting points you can tell us just about what's going on within fundamentals with some of the companies that you're actually, um, that you're actually following closely? Yes, so we continue to have a lot of um, conviction around some of our um, technology holdings, so specifically companies that are favorably exposed to this trend of digitization, um, things moving moving online. So two of our um, largest holdings are Alphabet, the holding company of Google and, uh, and Facebook. And both of these companies, uh, we feel, are positioned incredibly well and are delivering um, revenue growth in excess of 20%. Uh, for many, many years consecutively, including this year. And we feel that the growth outlook uh, into the next few years continue to be, continues to be very, very, very strong. So in an environment where the average company struggles to grow, these are companies with a dramatically um, stronger growth outlook. And at the same time, um, given some of the um, political and regulatory risks, the, the shares are actually very attractively valued. As well, yeah. I guess was one of the trends for the last few years is that market has rewarded companies that have been able to deliver growth because it has been in such scarce supply. But if I was to play devil's advocate, I would say it is the market is expecting these companies to be able to deliver those kind of levels of earnings growth for the foreseeable future, like a decade or, or more than that. And as companies get larger and larger it's increasingly hard to do that. They've been able to do it and surprised a lot of people that have been able to, but is that really realistic over the longer run? Well, as, as we talked about, I think for the, for the average, for the aggregate company, it's going to be very, very difficult to show substantial growth this year. That's why we feel that concentrated stock picking 
and and being able to identify the ones that have the ability to surprise positively is is is, is really critical. But you still think those kind of twenty percent growth rates from from Alphabet that you you have the view that they are will be able to sustain that at least for the kind of foreseeable future. Yeah, and expectations expectations certainly certainly are that they will not. That expectations are that they come down closer to ten percent over the next um, two to three years, and and it's our view that they will be able to beat that. Okay. Um, I guess the, the one of the big challenges to that and one that was highlighted in a recent paper by Sean Markovich on the rise of superstar mm. firms, which I encourage people to read, was this idea that these companies are becoming so powerful now that they are attracting a lot of attention from regulators, um, whether it's antitrust things in the US and in the, in, the in the EU, Merkel saying they're uncomfortable with US big tech firms holding everyone's data. You mentioned regulation a little bit earlier but is there are, are you how concerned are you about what that might mean for their prospects is, is it existential is it breakup risk or is it something that's not quite as 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 worrying well it's a risk that is very very important to think about and potentially could be existential i mean as as you're aware that's a few politicians have come out with very um, negative suggestions, mm. including breakup or very stringent regulation, which would uh, seriously undermine these business models. So it's a, a risk we spend a lot of time thinking about. However, if if history um, is, is any guide, and let's go back um, 10, 15 years to the uh, Microsoft antitrust um, investigation, for example, um, history has shown that the companies... Um, have been able to mount um, quite successful defenses and at the least have been able to hold this up in the courts for, for many, many years um, and get um, uh, and get resolution watered down to the extent that it actually uh, maybe represents an increased cost of doing business, but most likely is not going to be an existential threat to the business models. Okay, so some form of fines or additional costs as opposed to... Uh which I said is just a cost of doing business rather than something more serious. Um, it, actually, that takes us nicely into thinking about the, the US presidential um, situation because um, this is one of the topics that has been part of, of that debate. Um, others, I guess, be what's going on with healthcare. There's, there's loads of other things as well. But what's your view on how that is impacting markets and how much of a part it could play over the next... 12, 18 months? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And you mentioned healthcare in, in the context of the US presidential election, which which I think is key. So healthcare as a sector has, uh, has underperformed uh, stock markets this year. And I think one of the key reasons why is because of uh, fairly negative rhetoric around healthcare regulation by potential um, uh, democratic um, contenders for the presidency. It's 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 our view that actually um, that rhetoric is going to um, to moderate as the presidential election unfolds, for the simple reason that um, it's actually the first time in uh, in recent history that uh, just a half a year before the um, nomination of the the Democratic um, nominee, there's still this many candidates in the race, mm-hmm. and when you compete in a crowded field 
of close to um, close to 20 individuals. I think it's quite natural for you to um, uh, to to choose um, fairly um, fairly drastic language in order to stand yeah. out from the crowd, and which I think is is a, is a big explanation behind some of the very drastic drastic proposals that we've heard about. As soon as we go into the summer months, however the debate is going to change from how do I secure the Democratic uh, nomination to how do I beat the incumbent President Trump. And in that rhetoric, um, it's, it's, it's my view that um, uh, the debate will, um, will become a, a lot more modest and, uh, and steer towards the middle. Okay, so it's been a focus for the last year and it will continue to be, but you think actually the, the tone is just going to soften a bit? Yes, um, and has that affected the way that you any of your positioning with regards to the healthcare sector because it has underperformed? Does that make you more of a buyer? Well, yes. Um, quite recently, um, I've I've been adding to um, uh, healthcare um, positions, and it's uh, it's actually the uh, the largest overweight sector at the moment. Okay, and and would that have been the case um, 12, 18 months ago? It was an overweight sector about a year ago, but not as large as today. Okay, so some buying into that weakness. Yeah, and I think I think it's a um, it's a great example of um, what we've been talking about today. It's a sector that, in many instances, can deliver innovation-driven new product growth, and as a result, does have a strong um, revenue growth outlook. Um, the sector, in general, uh, is not overly um, hurt by um, by margin pressure, so it is a sector that continue to show earnings growth and surprisingly positive earnings growth next year. We view, and that in combination with a lot of the um, the risks being priced in and favorable valuation, I think the setup for healthcare is, is quite positive. Okay, sounds good. Um, we've only got a couple of minutes left, so very quickly, given we're getting near the end of the year, what's been your best trade of 2019? What are you most proud of? Well, it's one. Um, it's uh, it's a company. It's Visa. Which is the payments network company? Um, the stock's up uh, over uh, over forty percent for the year, and has been the um, most positive contributor to the uh, to the strategies. And uh, it's what we've talked about digitization today. And one um, one consequence of increased digitization is that all of these transactions that play, take place um, run over um, the Visa or the Mastercard network. So they are a great beneficiary. Of um, of a transition from paper to plastic, which uh, which seems to be accelerating with an incredibly um, entrenched, strong, and profitable business model, and uh, that setup has been uh, has been very very well rewarded by the market this year. Okay, and um, uh, slightly harder question, perhaps what's been your, what's been your worst trade of the year? Well, the the worst trade um, has been a, a a fairly large underweight position in Apple. Okay, interesting. Uh, this, I guess given the, the tech focus of yeah, as well. this, the Apple is up uh, about seventy percent for the year, and that's something that's uh, that certainly surprised me. And uh, we've talked a lot today about somewhat of a divergence between fundamentals and stock prices, and I think mm. Apple fits that picture. Apple in uh, in their fiscal two thousand nineteen actually showed declining revenue trends. The volumes for the key product, um, the iPhone, are declining. And the operating profit produced by the company was down this year, and it's actually been down uh, versus they, they reached peak profitability uh, four years ago. So I think there are a lot of questions whether this company 
can continue to grow, and the market's clearly taking the opposite view, um, bidding the shares up to a, um, a fairly growthy multiple, yeah. where I think uh, it'll be very difficult for the company to uh, to meet expectations. Okay, that's really interesting. It's probably quite a non-consensus trade as well, um, given a lot mm. of the, the hype around around Apple. Um, Okay, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, I think the main messages would be it is a weak um, overall environment for equity markets. Anything above zero for aggregate earnings growth um, would be a good result. However, there are um, lots of stocks out there that actually we're expecting to deliver much higher levels of growth, um, tech sector um, and the um, healthcare sector um, being two in, in particular. Um, um, and with that thank you very much Frank for joining me and thank you very much everybody for listening in